And I think I'm in Facebook jail for comments I've made against uh, lifestyles. <laughs> it's definitely not the lifestyles of the rich and famous. <laughs> yes, so we got kicked off, I think, a couple weeks ago. We're in the process. Uh, I'm going to be setting up a Rumble page for the church. And we're going to be in the process of switching from Facebook to Rumble so that we don't get kicked off. That you can go to? Well, I know this. Rumble, a lot of people can switch to Rumble and do that. So just as an announcement, even for those that are listening online right now, we're in the process. We're going to be switching. I, I'm just tired of getting kicked off and stuff. Anytime you say something that's against their wokeness, then you get kicked off. So, you know, I, and I'm going to preach the word, whether they like it or not. Um, the next thing is a reminder again that the service uh, for Jaylene, um, the celebration of service for her will be Thursday, this Thursday here at the church at 11 o'clock. Gary Gonzalez will be in charge of that. He's going to be leading the service, uh, it was, uh, and then I'll be a part of that. Um, and it, the reception, or what we would call the, the dinner afterwards, will be for the family only and those selectly invited to it. And, and there's a reason for that, so um, just a reminder about that. And then also just a reminder, too, we will have Wednesday service this Wednesday, but the 27th we will not because it's the week of Christmas. And then uh, New Year's Eve evening, so, so New Year's night, or no, not New Year's night, New Year's Eve, which is the 31st of January, that evening we won't have service. And I'm taking, the, I'm not having service those nights because that's time for family. People are with their family. And so, yes, Kate? We're having church uh, Christmas Eve morning. And we will also have church Christmas Eve. And we're going to take communion in the morning and in the evening. I'll set that up if I'll come in here on Saturday and get it all ready for, for those, both those, the morning. That way, those that aren't here on Sunday morning but come Sunday night, they can still take communion. Because I think that's an important time to take communion. All right. As, are you all ready for worship tonight and to get in the book of James? Would you please stand as we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, we thank you for this wonderful evening. We praise you and honor you and glorify you. Uh, for the service this morning and that the gospel was preached. Lord, I pray for those hearts that didn't raise their hand for salvation that you will continue to work on them. You will be, continue to draw them to the Son and open up their heart and their minds to receive Christ. Father, we thank you again. We are here to worship you, to honor you, and to give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.
song I always envision what I'm singing in my mind and just to see all the saints and angels bowing before his throne we're gonna do that one day we're gonna be in that congregation that's bowing at his feet casting our crowns before him father you are worthy of all of our praise God and there is no reason for us to wait until we're there with you, God, because you are here with us right now, God. So right before you, Lord, we bow. We cast our crowns, God. All our gain, Lord, is because of you. You deserve it, God.
same time just before that, that one of these days we're gonna we're gonna lay our crowns before the Lord one day you know everything that we do is it's not about us it's about him and the kingdom why we celebrate Christmas is about reaching the lost um, but while we were worshiping I kept getting at somebody's foot their right foot almost like it's bandaged up like pain in their right foot and I I don't want to leave the service without asking, has anybody got a foot that's hurting right now? I might be completely off my rocker, but uh, anybody's right foot hurting that needs prayer, I would like to pray with you. If you're good, you're good. Maybe I missed it. Your left foot. Well, we can pray for your left foot. Let's pray for your left foot. Okay, well, let's pray for your foot. 
Come on up here. Let's pray for you. I'm going to put you on, take off the, the mic while we pray for you. This, can I have a couple ladies to come help us pray this morning? Or this morning, this evening. you may be seated appreciate the worship team thank you guys how's everybody doing tonight it's hard to believe it's Christmas already is that old saying true the older you get the faster it goes is that true <laughs> it just goes by so quick huh <laughs> all right well we're in the book of James we left off in chapter 5 last week I want to go back um, we're going to start in uh, verse 1, and we're going to read what we uh, read last week, and we're going to go through some of this, what we missed last week. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of James, James chapter 5. We're going to read, and then we'll get into our notes here. So James chapter 5, verse 1. Remember, James is giving a warning to the rich, and, 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 and he explains this a little bit later on. And, and he's not saying you can't be rich, Right? There's nothing wrong with being rich. God blesses us with things. What he's saying is when we have riches, we need to have a proper perspective. Last week we looked at our faith is not in our riches, but in who? In the Lord. So uh, James chapter 5 verse 1 says, Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. 
Your wealth has rotted and moss have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on, lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed, uh, consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear by heaven or by earth or anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, and you will be, and you will, or you will be condemned. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Your word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Father, when we read this passage, we're reading the very words that are alive. Lord, help us to apply it to our life. Help us, Lord, as it says in Philippians, to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Let us put into practice the words that you have put on these pages. Because, Lord, it says that when we're born again, you write your word on the tablet of our hearts and our minds. So the fruits should come from that. Again, Father, as your vessel, I can do nothing apart from you. Speak through me what you want to say tonight. Open up all of our hearts to hear what your spirit is saying through your word tonight in Jesus name and everybody said amen so last week i looked at we looked at uh, uh, he speaks of rich and rich people and it, what he's doing is he's not condemning them for being rich but they were cheating people uh, and and so that brings us to James condemnation for these wealthy individuals was their dishonesty in wages James says they failed to pay those who worked their fields and so it's kind of like if you have a business, but you don't pay your workers, uh, what's going to happen? Eventually, here in America, you're going to have an uprising. Oh, you didn't pay me. <laughs> and You know, that's how the unions came about. I'm not a big, I better be careful how I say this. But anyways, uh, uh, I, I'm really careful how I say things because there's so many people that are connected to so many different things. So I'm, I'm going to bite my tongue on this. But, you know, that came about because of what we're talking about here. Is, you know, when you have somebody that works for you, you pay them worthy of the work that they've done. If they've done a horrible job, they shouldn't get paid, right? It's just like if you have a job, you work hard at what you do. And you put a full day's wages in, right? A full day's work for the wages that you've received. So look at verse 4 in your Bibles here. He says in chapter 5, Look, the wages you failed to pay the workman who mowed your fields, are crying out against you. Do you know God hears the cries of the people? When there's dishonesty, God hears those cries. We see a lot of injustice in our world today, but God still hears it. And there will be judgment for those that do this. It may not be on this earth, but it will be one of these days when they take their last breath. So he says, The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Look at verse 5. 
You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. So these rich men were not only taking advantage of, of, the, of the poor and, and the laborers, but they were murdering them. Innocent individuals, putting them to death. And so you can just imagine what their condemnation is going to be before God. Uh, David Gusick, he, he cited this. Deferring payment is a sort of defrauding as it bereaves the creditor of the benefit of improvement. And so they are taxed here with injustice, as well as covetousness in that they lived upon other men's laborers and starved the poor to enrich themselves. And that's by pool. So basically, again, they were starving these guys to enrich themselves. We see that a lot today, don't we? We call that greed. It's called greed. Um, I'm going to be careful about this one, too. So, man, I have my brain. I want to say things, and sometimes you just got to bite your tongue and not say it. But it really annoys me when you see workers that are working really hard, and these CEOs are putting these companies into bankruptcy, yet they're getting these multi-billion dollar bonuses when they leave the company. Right? That's happened recently. And you're, and you're thinking, okay, where's the justice? That's what he's talking about. They're stealing from the poor to enrich themselves. And God doesn't like that. God wants us to be givers, not takers. And it doesn't matter how much you take, you're never going to feel that void in your heart. I, I, I have found this when we moved here, and I've shared this on a Sunday morning, but, and, and many of you can attest to this, the longer you're alive, the more you, the more you keep, right? And the, and the more stuff that you keep, it just keeps building until you become hoarders. And then, then you get to a point where you're like, I'm tired of looking at this, and you try to give it away, but nobody wants it. And the only place it ends up with it is the dump. And at one time, you, you gave your heart and soul for that thing. That just tells you how important things are in this world. James tells us these men lived in luxury and self-gratification while murders, murdering innocent men. Is it wrong to be rich? We have to ask that question. No. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I shared this last week, but let's go to it again. 1 Timothy chapter 6. There is nothing wrong with being rich. In fact, let me share something. Everything that we have comes from who? God. So if you're rich and you got, you got money, God, is in, God has blessed you and said, I'm going to trust you to be a good steward of the money that really belongs to me. The money that God gives us, it really belongs to him. He's, he's trusting us to be good stewards of it. And we're going to have to give an account. In fact, I shared this before, but in Scripture, Jesus talked more about hell and money than he did about heaven. The hardest thing for people to give up is what? Their money. Jesus said, remember when he said it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you guys know what the eye of the needle was? So at nighttime, they would close the gates. And off to the side of the wall, there would be a little gate that they would open up if you needed to get into the wall. And it was easier, it's easier for that camel, could you imagine a camel getting down on all fours going through that gate? Than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's because their, their riches have become their treasure. 
And where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. So don't put your hope in the things of this world. Guys, we're just passing through. We're all believers here tonight. The Bible calls us aliens. So when we get raptured out, sure enough, aliens are going to be leaving the earth. <laughs> Do you all get that? Because Paul calls us aliens on this earth. We're sojourners. We're leaving. We're, this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, look at verse 17. Look what he tells me. He said, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in what? Their wealth. We talked about this last week. Don't put your hope in the things that you have. They can be taken from you really quick. I think of these tornadoes, that you know, the tornadoes that went through Tennessee last week. That quick. We live in Tornado Alley. Lived through a tornado in 1993. I was 15 years old. We lived in Catoosa. Uh, actually, Rolling Hills, it was across the street from, uh, across the highway from Catoosa. And I remember an F4 tornado came through. And it's the craziest thing. It wiped out one house and another house would be completely standing fine. There was nothing wrong with it. And, and the buildings, it would take those storage containers that used to be out on the ships that we used to see there in Longview. And it just twisted them like pop cans. And it, it took seven lives and... And you think about these people that they put all their hope into all this stuff and just like that, it was gone. But he says not to put your hope in wealth and don't be arrogant that you're rich. Oh, look what I got, right? Again, who gave us the wealth that we have? Who gave us the stuff we have? We need to just say, okay, God gave me this. I'm going to use it to the best of my ability for the kingdom's purposes, right? To bless others. And that's where he goes on. He said, which is so uncertain, Right? Wealth is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Hallelujah, the riches that you have is God gave it to you for your enjoyment. My fishing poles, hallelujah, Jesus gave them to me for my enjoyment. My wife might not think so, but I love them. She's back here so I can pick on her tonight. He gave them to me for my enjoyment. Do you know God gave us work for our enjoyment? In Ecclesiastes, it says, uh, work is for our pleasure. How many of you, and some of you guys that are retired, how many of you guys always thought that work was your pleasure? <laughs> I got some smirks. Some of the people are going, no, yeah, I don't like, but God says it's for, stay home for a few months and see how crazy you go. And you're like, I want to get back to work. I want to do something. See, God made it for your pleasure. See, I, Julie knows, don't you, Julie? I'm picking on you, and this is on TV. Are you okay that I said your name? Okay. I forget sometimes that I'm on live TV or on the Facebook and I see people's names. I don't want to be on TV. <laughs> That's my daughter. Okay. <laughs> but he says, <laughs> richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Look at verse 18. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. So this is his command to them. Uh, to do good, be godly, be righteous, be an example. And then to, to, to be rich in good deeds. Hey, do you need help? I'm going to help you. I'm going to do this. I, I'm going to help you with whatever you need help with. Hey, you need help with your house? I'll help you with your house. We watched a movie called The Christmas Candle the other day. Um, and he got the town to start helping each other, the church to start helping each other. You know, that's what we're here for. You know, the church has kind of failed our failed society we, you know we were the ones back in the day that helped society and now organizations have come up and taken our place 
It used to be, and you've heard me speak about it, but the church used to be the center of the community. Remember I told you this on a Sunday morning? Have you ever noticed a lot of towns are like spoke-shaped? And the center of that spoke was the church. And when, when people needed help, they went where? To the church. Have we become like the rich where we don't want to help? I'm not saying us as a particular for us as a church, but I'm speaking the church as a whole. You understand that? I'm speaking us as individuals. So then he goes on to say this. In the same way, verse 19, in the same way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Hallelujah. You're building up rewards in heaven. How many of us probably have rewards in heaven? Yeah, hallelujah. Yeah, I have one person that raised their hand. If you don't have rewards in heaven, we got to get to work here. <laughs> I know you don't want to say I got rewards in heaven. Uh, but listen, we do. Everything you do for the kingdom, the minute you got saved, you started building rewards for the kingdom. Yeah, it's a blessing. I'm going to share a story with you, and I might have shared it before, but I want to share it again because it fits so well with this. When I was on staff at New Life Assembly, we were a struggling church. I was on staff there for eight years, and I was, and I was taking, my, taking classes on a Saturday. How many of you guys remember this story? I was taking an art class. And uh, for my uh, extracurricular, act, I guess it's an extracurricular activity or whatever, I couldn't figure out why I was paying for these credits. I was the, but I had to take this art class. And it was on a Saturday at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. And uh, I'm there on a Saturday, and it just so happens my pastor's wife was taking a class at the same place for a teacher's uh, alternative certification so that she could teach in public school. And so I'm, I'm looking for the art class. I see my pastor's wife over there, and I go over to, the, over to her, and I'm like, hey, uh, uh, do you know where the art class is, Sandy? And she goes, yeah, I think it's across the hall. Well, there was two young ladies sitting by the table. And I remember looking at one of them and going, man, I know that girl. I think I went to school with her. I went to high school with her at Tulsi Central High School. Well, now, let's back up a few days just before that. I said, Lord, am I making any impact for your kingdom? Have you ever felt that way? And what I do, am I making any impact on the kingdom of God? Is it, is it important to you, God? Have I done anything for you? And I was feeling bad because I was like, I want to do something for the Lord. So now fast forward, there's this young lady sit there, and I went, Finally, I turned around. I said, what school did you go to? She goes, oh, I went to Bartlesville Wesleyan College. Well, it changed to Oklahoma Wesleyan University later on. And I said, no, 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 what high school? She goes, Tulsi Central. And I said, you don't remember me? Her name was Kelly. And she looked at me. And she went, oh. and She screamed and she began to weep. And she ran up and gave me a hug. And she goes, you're one of the reasons I gave my heart to Jesus. In high school... My dad had gotten laid off at American Airlines, which can tell you that your, your wealth could be taken from you real quick. It was my, the end of my freshman year. I made sophomore vice president of my class. Didn't even get to do that because we had to move. We moved to Colorado. Halfway through my sophomore year, my dad, I thought he was getting hired back on an American. He was doing some contract work, so my sister and I moved out to, back out here to Oklahoma. I finished out my sophomore year at Tulsi Central. And a young lady by the name of Kelly, the same same young lady was there in my school. Her mom and dad were Mormons. 
And her boyfriend was going, getting ready to go to college. And she, I remember her coming up to the apartments going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about this Jesus. I know that my, what my parents believe, I don't agree with it. But I don't know about Jesus. And she just went on. I remember the whole conversation. And I finally just told her, I said, Kelly, when you graduate, you're old enough to make your own decision. Why don't you just go up to Bartlesville Wesleyan College? And I think, I think she had a scholarship or something, too. So she ended up going up there and getting... Giving her life to Jesus and became the vice principal at Metro Christian Academy. Some of you guys know this story. Why do I share that? Because you and I are building up riches that we don't even know yet. God gave me a glimpse of one of those. He gave me a glimpse of just a little bit. So guys, every little bit that you do for the kingdom, you're building up rewards in heaven. And you have to look forward to that. Right now you're like, oh man, it's Christmas time. I, oh, right? When I was a kid, it was exciting. When I get older, it's like, I got to get all this stuff together. I got to put lights up on the house. By the way, we put lights up on the house. Our neighbors put lights up on their house. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so we're building up, and that's what he's telling the rich here. He says, listen, you're building up a firm foundation in heaven. You're laying up treasure for yourselves. When you do good deeds, and you're good, and you're rich in good deeds, and generous and willing to share. You take what God's given you and you bless others. God gave me the gift of gab, so I'm blessing you with the gift of gab tonight. Right? Everybody's got a gift. Lessons from a young, rich man. Let's go over to Mark chapter 10 in your Bibles. Mark chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 17 through 31. It's a little lengthy here, but there's a reason for this. Remember, James is dealing with wealth. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to, in, uh, to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Let me stop there for a minute. Jesus isn't saying that he's not good. He, well, a lot of commentaries are saying in the context of that, how many of you have ever wondered what he meant by that? What Jesus is asking is, do you recognize that I'm good? Did you get that? Now, he does say uh, no one is good except for God alone. He's saying, do you recognize that I'm God? Do you recognize that I'm good? That's why he asked him that question. Oftentimes when we look at it, we're thinking, is Jesus questioning whether he's good or not? No, Jesus knows he's good because he's what? He's God. And in verse 19, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Listen to his response to this. This is what we call self-righteous response. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Remember James this morning? If you've broken one of the law, you've what? Broken them all. Jesus looked at him and did what? Loved him. I want you to catch that. Jesus loves us. He loved him. He saw his heart. He loved him. He's like, oh man. Then look what happens. Jesus recognizes one thing he lacks. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. 
The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Notice he went from how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God, and then he goes, how hard it is for anyone to enter the kingdom of God. Now this is before he died, right? Hallelujah, aren't you glad that Jesus died and we have salvation and we can enter the kingdom of God by faith? Verse 25, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible. But not with God, all things are possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or, or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, and with them persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. That's a proper perspective on wealth. If we put our faith in our wealth, we're like the young rich ruler, right? But Jesus says, are you willing to give it up? What if God comes to you one day and says, I want you to give up all that you have and I want you to go to the mission field. I didn't get any jumps for yay! <laughs> now that's not easy when God asks you to do something, to sacrifice something. But it takes a sacrifice to follow the Lord. We have to trust his process and his plan for our life. Sometimes God will ask us to do the impossible, but he is the God of impossibilities. Amen. Notice he talks about salvation in verse 27. With man, this is impossible. Jesus knew with man it was impossible for salvation because apart from him, there is no salvation. But with God, all things are possible. And he made it possible through the cross. Hallelujah. You and I have salvation tonight because of the possibility that Jesus made on the cross. So, let's not be like the young rich ruler. I mean, I think this guy was sincere. He was sincere. I, I want to serve you. But one thing he lacked, he didn't want to give up his riches. He didn't want to give up his things. He didn't want to give up his possessions. What are we holding so dear that we can't release to Jesus? There's a great book, if you ever get a chance, by Max Licato. It talks about, I can't remember, it's, I think it's called The House. But it talks about how Jesus wants the keys to every room of your house. He wants the keys to every room of our house, our spiritual house. Number two, there's words of encouragement. Let's go back to James here. Look at verses 7 and 8. He says, Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. He changes his direction now from the rich, and now he's, understand, remember, they've been persecuted. They've been spread out, and James is writing this letter to them, to the church, and they were under persecution. One of these days, we're going to be under persecution, and it's coming. You've heard me share about it. 
We're already starting to see it. And so he says, be patient. How many of you guys, it's hard to be patient in these days for Jesus to come back? I mean, I'm going, every day, I'm waiting for that horn. Now, see, I don't live by the river anymore, so I don't have boats to blow a horn. So if I hear a horn now, and Stacy and I are going for a walk, I know Jesus is coming. But it's hard to be patient, especially when you see all the wickedness and the evil going on in our world today. And it's not just here in our country, it is worldwide. I have never seen the intensity of anti-Semitism as I do today. Everybody knows what anti-Semitism is, right? The hatred for the Jews. That tells you that things are ramping up. Things are getting fired up. The last time that happened was World War II with Hitler. And it's ramping up. And they Satan hates the Jews because it's God's people. Well, guess who's next online? You and I that serve Jesus. He hates Christians and he hates Jews. So he tells them to be patient. The believers were becoming weary in the midst of suffering. Look at verses 9 and 10. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the doors. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The prophets suffered. And he's telling them, guys, don't get weary of suffering. Now, understand, we're privileged right now in the United States. We haven't really had any suffering, right? Uh, we've had inflation, maybe our prices. Have, how many have cried the next time you got groceries? Oh, my goodness gracious. And I've got three daughters that are eating me out of house and home. Uh, I'm going to have to start locking things up again. But you just get there. We just watched a, 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 like a comedy, ma'am, Stacy and I did it with this lady. And she's at the uh, checkout stand. And the guy's going, okay, ma'am, I, 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 you're okay. And, and he goes, yeah, take it easy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swipe this. Now, just look at me when I go to get ready. And all the way through, she goes, now we're, now he goes, now we're getting to the meat section. She goes, no, you know, that's exactly what's going on with us right now. But we haven't dealt with suffering like they do in the world. If you get a chance, go by. It's called the insanity of God. Remember I mentioned to you uh, this to you a, few, a couple months ago. Watch the insanity of God. It's about a Baptist minister that goes overseas as a missionary. And he goes over to Africa. And God was moving. It was great. And then he goes to Somalia. Then he goes to some Arab countries. Then he goes to China. And he went into China. And, and persecution so strong there. And when they walked into the square where the Chinese Christians were, they were all on their face praying and fasting for his family. And so he says, be patient. Now, patience is another word for that. It's long-suffering. How many of you enjoy long-suffering? First of all, raise your hand if you like to suffer. And then you add on the word long, and we all know what long means, right? Another word is perseverance. The Lord's return was actually making them become agitated. How many of you are, are you agitated tonight? Because Jesus hasn't come back yet. Do you know why I think he hasn't come back yet? Because there's so many more that need to get saved. If we get our focus so much on ourselves of Jesus coming back, which is good, you want to focus, right? Be ready. But don't get so focused on yourself that there's not others that need Jesus. 
That's what we're here for. We're here to reach other people for Jesus. Hey, go have a cup of coffee with somebody. And then every once in a while, slip in Jesus. You know, some like sugar and milk with theirs. You can slip Jesus in. We need to keep ourselves from becoming weary while waiting for the return of Jesus to take us home. The reason why he hasn't come yet is because he's got more work for us to do. Hallelujah. You got loved ones that need Jesus still? Yeah. Think about them. Okay, I don't want them to be left behind. God, give me one more. Anybody watch that movie, Hacksaw Ridge? Oh, man, I tell you what. He was a seven-day Adventist, and, and he was, an, he was a, um, uh, oh, what do you call that? A conscientious objector during the Korean War. And he wouldn't carry a rifle, but he wanted to become a medic to save lives. And I can't remember, he saved like 300 lives or something like that. I can't remember what the number was. But in the midst of it, he was going up and saving lives and lowering them down. And he said, Lord, give me one more. Give me one more. Guys, we need to think that way about people that are lost and going to hell. God, give me one more. Here's a commentary that says, A farmer does not give up when his crop does not come to the harvest immediately. He keeps on working even when the crop cannot be seen at all. Even so, Christians must work hard and exercise patient endurance even when the harvest day seems so far away. If you ever get a chance to watch a movie, it's called Faith Like Potatoes. It's a really good movie. I suggest you watch it. And it's about a farmer in South Africa that has potatoes. He, he's a farmer of potatoes. And he's a mean guy. I mean, he's just a horrible guy. He ends up getting saved. In fact, uh, uh, one of the kids in the village, he, uh, he prayed for them, and they were raised to life. This is a true story. This really happened. But then his own kid got ran over by a track, his tractor and didn't survive. And he didn't, his crop wasn't coming. They had a drought, and so they were waiting on these potatoes to come. And, and he just kept praying over it and praying over it and praying over it. And when the, when the crop came in, guess what happened? He got a crop. He was patient. He waited on the Lord to do something. So if you get a chance to watch that movie. But it's the same with us. We need to work hard and exercise patient, like Goosey says here. Even when the harvest day seems so far away. Guys, and it may be far away, but it's so close. Have you ever had one of those far away but so close moments? I know that when I'm going home to Colorado. I know I'm getting close to the mountains because I can see the peaks in the distance. It's so far away, but so close. I use that because I love mountains. I'm a mountain. I like watching mountain men. Anybody watch? No, okay, never mind. I'll go on. You don't want to know all my things I do. The temptation is that we become idle or mockers ourselves. We've heard some people say that. We've heard it our whole lives that Jesus is coming back. And that's what James is saying. He said, look, brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The danger of becoming idle. Let's go to Matthew 24 in your Bibles. Matthew 24. Look with me in verses 36 through 51. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. He says, No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only who? The Father. I mean... If you hear somebody say, Jesus is coming now, he's going to be here this week, 
Uh, that's blasphemy because even Jesus says the only one that knows is who? The Father. Verse 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Is it like in the days of Noah? Yeah, I think it is. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came that took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken, the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come out an hour when you do not expect him. Expectancy, that's what we call imminence at any moment. Boy, I hope that's my Christmas morning gift. I'm the only one that got excited about that. If he comes on Christmas morning, wouldn't that be a great Christmas present? Verse 45, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them food at their proper time? You and I are put in charge to give spiritual food to the lost, spiritual food to people that are growing. Each one of us are supposed to give spiritual food, right? Look what he says here in verse 46. It will be good for that servant who, whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Notice he calls him master and he calls him what? Servant. Master, servant. Is Jesus our master? Another word for master is what? Lord. Then he says this, I tell you the truth, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. Verse 48. But... Suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. There's idleness. It hasn't happened yet. I've been waiting all these years. Man, they've been preaching that since I was a little tyke, right, in church. Raise your hand if you've heard the preaching of Jesus coming back since you were little. All of us, right? So what does he say? Uh, but, but suppose, he says, my master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Listen, I believe that we are eternally secure, but we can walk away from God. Now, you have to really kick and scream, and you have to do what this guy's doing, which is what the prodigal son did. He squandered his inheritance. What's our inheritance? It got really quiet in here when I mentioned this tonight. What's our inheritance? It's heaven, right? You can speak it out. Inheritance, pastor. It's heaven, right? It's our eternal reward. We can squander that. So don't be idle. The danger of becoming idle is this, that we start living like the world and, and that's happened to a lot of our loved ones. That's why, again, Gary Rogers a few weeks ago talked about 40 million Americans are de-churched. The Northeast and the West Coast, most of them are de-churched now. That means we have a lost generation that don't know Jesus. De-churched. Walked away from God. 
got into the world. We may even know loved ones that have done that. I've known people that have done that. Walked away from God. They've become idle. We can become idle in our walk with God. Let's go to the next one. The danger of scoffing. Go with me to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. Now understand, this is going back to James. He's talking about being patient for the Lord's return. 2 Peter chapter 3. Now in 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about the false prophets. Guys that once knew the Lord and they start teaching false doctrine. Are we seeing that today in our society? Yes, we are. Then he says this in verse 1. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Hallelujah. You read this, you should be having some wholesome thinking. Does, this, does the word of God stimulate you? It should. Man, I'll be reading in there and go, oh boy, I got a lot of work. Jesus work on me. Right? Verse 2, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Notice what he says here. Not only was it spoken through the prophets in the Old Testament, but it was also spoken through Jesus Christ our Lord. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. How many of you heard that? I've heard it my whole life. Jesus is coming back. Do you know they're fulfilling prophecy? Hallelujah. So when somebody scoffs and does that, say, wow, you're fulfilling prophecy. And they'll look at you weird. Yeah, come here, I want to show you in the Bible. Verse, verse 6, look at, or verse 5. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Remember the flood? By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord... A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. So there's two dangers. Number one, idleness, and number two, scoffing. Don't be one of those scoffers, right? There are seven things Peter states we should consider in suffering now. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4. I don't know why I did that, but I, I, I know it has something to do with our message tonight. So go with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. This is talking about suffering. Remember, James is talking about suffering. So we're in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19, and we're going to end with this tonight. Is that okay with you guys? All right. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Look what he says here. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of the glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. 
However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves through their faithful creator and continue to do good. So he talks about being patient for the Lord's return. And then he talks about being patient in suffering. And he tells us what to do in suffering. There's seven things I, I, I pointed at. I might be wrong. If you go in there and you're like, Pastor, you missed one. There's eight of them. That's okay, okay? Be good Brians of the Bible. How many of you guys are good Brians of the Bible? You go home and you study the Bible. How many of you remember my messages after Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday? I don't always remember either. I have to go back and look at my notes. Number one, we shouldn't be surprised when we face what? A trial. James 1. Two, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. For the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you and I will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Right? So don't be surprised when you face a trial. Number two, is it going? There we go. We need to treat people well in our trial. Let's go to James 5, 9. Can you guys remember all this tonight? <laughs> James 5, 9, look what he says here. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Don't grumble. Anybody ever grumble at anybody? It's this time of year. It's supposed to be joyous and kind and compassionate, but you hear a lot of grumbling going on. Next one, rejoice in your suffering is what he said in, in Peter. Rejoice in your suffering. If, you re, if you're suffering for the name of Christ, you're blessed is what he says. Hallelujah. Some of us aren't, we're not suffering right now, but one of these days you will be. You're blessed if it's for the name of Jesus, right? You're downtown, and you're wearing a shirt that says Jesus is... Now, here in Oklahoma, it's still the Bible Belt, but I guarantee you, when I lived up in the Northwest, and you wore certain things, people would give you looks. You know what I love about Oklahoma again? You can wave at somebody, they'll wave back. And I'm not picking on the Northwest, because I loved it up there. It was awesome. It's beautiful. There's great people up there. But when you wave at people, they look at you weird. Why is he waving at me? So Stacy and I, when we go down Ocean Beach Highway, I'm gonna, I told her, let's see how many people wave at me. Remember this, Stace? So I'd go. And nobody would wave at me. Here, they're waving at me and going, do I know them? <laughs> so rejoice in your suffering. Rejoice, the word rejoice means joy. Re the word rejoice comes from the word joy. You and I have joy inside of us that the world doesn't have. That's why he says rejoice. I will say it again. Rejoice. Right? Rejoice. You guys are getting it, right? The Lord is near. Rejoice in the Lord. Look at this. Always, I will say it again, rejoice. And then James 1, I already, I already said the scripture, but consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now look at the word up there. It says, consider it pure what? Joy. 
Now, I understand when you're going through a trial and you're suffering, it's not joyful. You're going to go through trials. But consider it joyful because what God is doing is he's refining you. He's maturing us. And that happens, listen, can I tell you, you and I don't graduate until we go home to be with Jesus. So he's still working on us. All right, I'm getting there. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So I'll get number four. We are blessed when insulted for Christ. We haven't had to deal with that much lately, right? How many of you guys, have, raise your hand if you've ever been insulted for Christ. Just a few, right? Well, you're blessed. <laughs> that happened the minute that happened. You go, you know what happens when they insult you for Christ? You just say, hallelujah, I'm blessed, and see what happens. I bet you their countenance will change. A kind word turns away wrath. We should not suffer, though, as what? A criminal. Number six, we should not be ashamed to bear Christ's name. Don't ever be ashamed to bear the name of Jesus. And number seven, we should commit ourselves to God's will and continue to do good. So what is God's will? Sometimes it's suffering. Pastor, did you just say it's God's will for you to suffer? God permits and allows things. Now, he doesn't cause the har harm in our life, but he permits. Do you, you see the difference? Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but God will allow trials, again, to perfect us. It's not always easy. We're going to look at this next time called Words of Promise. But James deals with those things. I, I want to I finish with this real quick before we go on. Uh, we're not going to go on tonight, but before we get to the next one next week, I want to share this. Don't give up on anything. God is behind you. He will see you through. He has plans and purposes. It says, for, the, uh, for God works all things out for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. God will work all things out. No matter what's going on in your life, if you're suffering because of family issues, God's going to work it all out. I don't know how it's going to work. But he has a way of doing those things. You know, when we lost our daughter in 2011, that was hard on us. But God worked things out. He used that, that time to bring people to Christ. In fact, he used us to minister to somebody that lost a child. And so because we've experienced that, we understand that. Maybe what you're going through is because God wants to use you on the other side of it. Did you get that? Because you can't really help somebody until you understand what they've been through. So just as an encouragement to you tonight, and then can I tell you, I believe Jesus is coming soon. I believe he is. We, we see the technology, you hear me say it every, and you're going to get so tired of pastors always talking about Jesus coming back. Well, one of these days it's going to happen and go, no, he's been right the whole time. No, Jesus has been right. I've just been copying what he said. But don't ever get tired about talking about Jesus. We call it the blessed hope for a reason. In the early church, if you look at the history of the assemblies of God, what did they preach? Jesus is coming back. And it motivated people to live for Jesus. We need to keep preaching that. We need to go back to our vision as, as a denomination. We, we, we started missions on purpose to reach the world because Jesus was coming what? Back. If you get that perspective right and you start thinking, wow, Jesus could come right now. I better be about the Father's business. God, who can I bring with me? Right? 
It should motivate us. That's why it's called the blessed hope. It should motivate us to preach the gospel, to tell people about Jesus. So I'm going to leave you with a, I'm going to leave you with a little encouragement, okay? You ready? Say, Pastor, we're ready. All right, you're sheep. Sheep get other sheep. I love that. I can get only so many sheep, but you can get sheep that I can't get. So start speaking to them. Start telling them. Say, hey, we got this church over here. You need to come so that you can see Jesus, right? I'm being honest about that. It's not about building our kingdom. It's about building his kingdom. You guys want to see this place grow? Start telling people about Jesus. God will honor you for that. Hallelujah. All right, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the night. We thank you for this message tonight. And I speak for myself as well, Lord. Help us to be like what James says. To be doers and of the word, not just hearers. Forgive us, Lord, for those times when our attitudes and our behaviors haven't been uh, Christ-like, even with our family members. Forgive us, Lord, when we've acted out in wrong ways. Lord, we repent of, of any kind of idleness. Lord, we don't want to be idle in the things that you've called us to do. Forgive us, Lord, when we've either mocked you or taken your name in vain by the way we live. Forgive us for that. God, I pray that you will give us divine appointments, all of us here tonight. You'll give us divine appointments as we go out these doors tonight. I pray this week that we'll have testimonies of opportunities that we had to share Jesus with others and just love on them in Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I've got one more announcement I forgot to announce about and I thought about while we were worshiping. I didn't want to say it till the end. So the, the family that came forward and rededicated their life to Jesus, they want to get baptized on the first Sunday in January. So we're going to have a baptism. I'm not going to teach on baptism, but we're going to have a baptism service that day. Amen? So we're going to get that all ready. They told me today they're going to get the time off to come and do that. So uh, I'm going to keep them to it and remind them about it. But yeah, Jan the first Sunday in January, they want to get baptized here on a Sunday morning. So I told them we'd do it. We'll fill up the tank. We'll baptize them. If you know anybody that needs to get baptized, let me know. We'll baptize them. God bless you. I love you. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray with you. There's honey in my heart and water and stone.